0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Wiser Money Show. Diving right in to the extended version of our Bloodline Trust. We have Ken here to kind of dive deeper into what we just talked about on our previous episode. Ken, tell us more about this Bloodline Trust. I know there are a few other pieces that we didn't touch on, especially those incentive clauses. I know people, when they hear this incentive clause, are going to love this type of information being in their trust because they want the best for their children or grandchildren. So please start us off with the incentive clauses and then kind of go into the other layers within the bloodline trust that we have.
1: Yeah, so you know if you listen to the previous episodes, we talked about the difference between the lump sum trust, the bloodline trust, how the bloodline trust if done correctly, you can protect against death, disability, divorce, and lawsuit and or lawsuit. And why it's so important to have an outside trustee and a trust protector. And we left off with talking about what is it that we can give an economic benefit to the kids, right? If if those are our first line of beneficiaries, and then we'll talk about how do you create clauses for the grandchildren. Now, some of you might be listening and your kids are five years old, 10 years old. So let me walk through either an adult child or a minor child. Okay, so Mm -hmm. what it says is that we think through it. Let's use go back to Bob and Mary Smith. Bob and Mary Smith die on Monday. Tuesday, they leave a million dollars to their daughter. And let's say that this is left in a a lump, uh, I'm sorry, in a sub share. We're going to make the presumption that there's an outside trust company and there's a separated trust protector. So now what do we give to the daughter? Okay. Here's the questions I always get. Well, what good is it if the daughter can't use it? So here's where we get into a very different mentality. When we're dealing with deca millionaires or above, they have a different mindset than people that maybe just have a million dollars or less than a million dollars. When it's when it's somebody is built a large, large net worth. Their concern is, how do I continue to enjoy what I want to enjoy? It doesn't matter how it gets paid. So if we're dealing with a very wealthy person and they want a boat, goes into a boat trust. Mm -hmm. They can use the boat, but they don't own it. See, that concept to most people is like so foreign. What do you mean (laughs) I don't own it? I want to own it. No, you don't want to. You want to control it. it. You control it and have the use of it. What's the difference, right? If you control it and and use it, do you really, who cares who owns it? Because the minute you own it, that's where you subject yourself to the lawsuit, to taxes, to all kinds of bad things. So if the daughter has a million dollars, she doesn't own it. The trust sub share owns it. What we do is we spell out what are the economic benefits that she wants, that you want her to have from it. Now right. we got to do this in two sections. One is a minor, one is an adult, and then we'll talk, talk about those that interact. So if the daughter is, let's start with an adult. So she's an adult and what she can do is people will say, well, I don't want to do it that way because then she can't buy a house. Why not? <laughs> Put it in there, Why write not? it in. <laughs> so, you know, the daughter can say, all right, I want to take that million dollars. And I want to go buy a house. So she goes to the trustee. Trustee says, okay, it's in, you're going to have the use of it. We'll buy it for you. Mm-hmm. So the the house is not owned by the daughter. The house is purchased by the subshare, owned by the subshare. The daughter lives in the house. Exactly. Um, let's say Complete that control. Yeah, control. Just don't own it. And let's say that the daughter wants to get an income. And they don't want a house, but they just want to get income. So the trust can be designed with what's called, and I know this is a funny word. I don't know why they call it this, but it's it's called a, a unitrust payout. U-N-I, unitrust. Basically what it says, and there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, it says, give the daughter 6% per year or 8% per year. So if there's a million dollars, it'll give her 60 grand a year, or 80 mm-hmm. grand a year. But what it says is that if the daughter comes under attack, that a divorce, lawsuit, medical, whatever, the trustee can stop the income because if you don't give the trustee the ability to stop the income, all that money been, is done. And take it, okay? So the trustee can stop that income. So the idea is, is that you can set it up as a unit trust. Now, if let's say that the daughter is married and the daughter's a physician making $5 million a year. Why would you want to have income come out? All you're gonna do is just create more of a tax problem. Right. So in that particular case, you might say that the trustee has the ability to decide whether income comes out or not, even if there's no attack. And then what happens is if it's done correctly, that trust can expand and grow for grandkids. Right. And that state, if it's done correctly, can also avoid generation tax. Because there is a tax every time you, at a certain limit, there's a tax every time money passes from one generation to another. So it can really be custom designed. But the point of it is, is that the money's not owned by the daughter, it's owned by the sub-trust. And then you can decide what kind of economic benefit do we want to give her? Do we want to allow her to buy assets like houses? Do we want to give her an income? Do we want to give both? Do we want to give it the discretion of her to give instructions to the trustee of what she wants and changing it? Okay. But the key is the trustee is the one signing off on that decision, showing that the daughter doesn't technically own it. Just economic benefit. Okay. Now, if you get a obstinate uh, trustee, that says, I don't want you to buy a house. I don't know what reason a trustee have never seen that would ever do that, but they could. Well, then here comes in the trust protector. Now the trust protector can fire that opposite uh trust company and, and appoint another one.
0: Exactly. Who will follow and, the the law, the the rules of the trust?
1: And that's the levers that you have: trust protector, separate trustee, and beneficiary. Now, it's like an upside-down pyramid without
0: the trust protector there though you're stuck you're handcuffed to that company you could try to sue them they will likely win but it'll be hard to fire that that trustee and hire a new one if you don't have the trust protector written in
1: that's right that's why you know i years and decades ago uh when we tried to get those trust companies removed and the courts wouldn't do it
0: mm-hmm.
1: it occurred to me that everybody should have a trust protector just to protect being able to just get rid of them if you wanted to right okay so when it comes to the the first line you can put in that um what what economic benefit do you want to give to the first line of beneficiaries now let's use another example like your example you could say i don't have an adult child my child's you know two years old yeah right So. You could say, okay, here's what I want to do. If I die, and see, I'm kind of half in your boat, half not. So I have kids in their 30s, and then I have a nine-year-old. Right. So you can design it where it says the primary beneficiary is the nine-year-old. So if myself and Julie die in a car accident tomorrow, All of our assets are accumulated into one singular sub trust. That sub trust has an economic benefit for a minor, our daughter. Right. And it says we will appoint. And here's the difference. I'm going to appoint an outside trustee. I'm going to appoint an outside trust protector. Then I also have a guardian. Got it. A custodian that will raise our child.
0: And that's in mine. That's in my trust because I'm a a year and a half old.
1: Right. And so what it says now is provide income and then you have to define it. I want want our daughter to live in the same house. And so there's a fee for our one son to move here, give him an annual salary because he'd be giving up a lot. Yep. And then he would raise our daughter. But then what it says is at age 18 and our daughter from one year of graduation of high school has to make a decision now in our particular case because we know that our one son would be giving up a lot there's a cash payment at age 18 right to compensate him for all of his sacrifices so
0: So in addition to that salary up until your daughter's 18 then there's like a thank you balloon payment of whatever you decide right or get back on your feet and figure out how you're going to continue a salary because we're not
1: paying it anymore. That's correct. Got it. Yep. And then what it says is at the age of 18. Now, so if you think through this, if you have a minor child, it could say, if at the time of my death, if my child is under the age of, you put that number in there, then these are the incentive clauses in the structure. And then at the age of majority, then it flips to this kind of economic benefit. Right. So, like in my first example, if Bob and Mary Smith died and their daughter was 40 years old, then it just goes into the subtrust with defined economic benefits. Right. Okay. But now we're talking about a minor. But the minor could be Bob and Mary Smith die on Monday. They leave the subtrust to daughter on tuesday daughter dies on tuesday now her kids which are the grandkids of bob and mary smith are minors so if the trust is done correctly it's covering every one of those levels exactly okay so and now getting says,
0: getting the spouse who it makes sure the spouse doesn't get anything from that it is protecting it and that's why we call it the bloodline trust it's keeping your assets within the bloodline. There's nowhere else that it could go offshoot to right. because it's not your bloodline. If it's your bloodline and it's written in the trust for your bloodline, you're good to go.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And and you know, same thing. Like we're using our son as the example, but it could be that you want to give an income to the surviving parent. So Bob and Mary Smith die leave the subtrust to the daughter, but the daughter dies. Well, if the daughter has minor children and the father's still there, he should be able to get some income to help raise those kids. Right. But he doesn't get the asset. Exactly. The asset still belongs in the original DNA lineage. Right. Not to the the spouse.
0: And then once the kids reach the age of majority, then their subtrust takes over the ownership of The assets.
1: That's exactly right. And that's where you can get into some fun incentives. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. So I'll tell you about all of these incentive clauses um, have been my creations from problems that I experienced. Now, there are some um, subtrusts because I used to be a trustee for a lot of trusts and every one of the workarounds that the beneficiaries tried on me, And I didn't draft those trusts. You know, 30 years ago, I wasn't drafting those trusts. Right. Uh, And so somebody else would draft them. The person would come to me and say, I want you to be my trustee or somebody would appoint me. Right. So I'll tell you some stories and why these trusts actually have these kind of incentive clauses. Well, you know what? Let me back up. I'm going to tell you one story. And I'm trying to think of the privacy release. I won't use any names. I'll change the name to protect the innocent. So I told you about the stories where we tried to get trust companies removed. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you another story about why you have to have some guideposts of who you are allowed to name as a trust company. Okay. Now, I revealed that in the last episode and I said no banks, no brokerage companies, no trust company that sells financial products. Okay. Right. But I'm going to put another one in there. You cannot name an individual. And if you name a trust company, they have to have at least 100 million in net assets. Okay. So here's where why. Why is that
0: the benchmark, 100 million to you?
1: It's okay. So, in well, there's another requirement, which I'll tell you why. 100 million is kind of where you go from being grossly unregulated to heavily regulated.
0: Got it, got it. Okay. So, above that 100 million, you're regulated. You know what is, you know that that is, yeah. that company is going to protect you and take care of you.
1: Yes. And so, if the trust is done right, it says if you're going to name a trust company, it has to have 100 million in net assets and it must be regulated by the Department of Banking or the Department of Trusts of the state that the trust company is in. So, I'm going to tell you why I started adding this. When I draft, started drafting trust. So we're going back to, oh my gosh, let me think about this now. This would have had to been like early 90s. Okay. And I'm in don't Sarasota. reveal your don't reveal
0: your age or anything, but yeah,
1: right. So <laughs> I'm in um Sarasota, Florida. And guy comes in to hire me. Super nice guy. I can, I guess I can use his first name. His name is Carl. And Carl was a ex-teacher from Ohio that won the lottery. Okay. (laughs) He moved to Florida, retired. He was the nicest guy you ever met and conservative, reasonable, et cetera. So he had a heart problem. He was one of the first like thousand people that got a pig valve replacement in their heart. Okay. I guess they're very common now, but back early 90s, he was like one of the test pilots. And he came out of the surgery okay, but what happened was the anesthesiologist gave him brain damage. Mm. And it completely changed his personality. He went from this conservative, reasonable person to he switched sexual preferences.
0: Okay.
1: And he became, let's just say, very flagrant with his sexual preference. All right. And then he started hiring male prostitutes. Okay. Okay. So one day he walks into my office. I'm the trustee. And I got to paint a picture. So imagine Mick Jagger in a fish net crop top and more jewelry than Mr. T. So this is the male prostitute that he had somehow befriended. They came in and they sat in my office and Carl says, I don't even remember the amount now. It was so long ago. I want to say it was like seven grand, but who knows? He said, I want you to sign the check to give this guy seven grand. I'm looking at this guy going, wait, what?
0: Yeah. Like no (laughs) way.
1: Like all of a sudden you just bring these people in off the street and you want me to write these checks I said, I can't do that. And he said, well, why not? I said, I don't know who he is. I don't know if he has a, you under duress. I don't know what the relationship is. What's the seven grand for? And he says, it's none of your business. Just write the check. But I'm the trustee. It's my yeah, job. It is him. my business. Yes. And so I said, I can't do that. So here's what he does. He says, well, you're fired. And I want you to write the agreement to name him. I don't remember the guy's name. As my trustee. I had to. I had I couldn't say no.
0: Oh man! Uh, So, but like, it's like
1: deep down, you just ruined this guy. But there's nothing you can do. The other guy stole all his money. Yeah, duh. Yeah, and the only good thing was he still had an Ohio State teacher's pension. Okay, and that's the one thing that helped him survive. So it's sad because you know you you want to again. I didn't draft that trust, but now it makes you recognize that the person that drafted it never thought through that. So that's why it's always a good idea to have requirements on who you name as the trustee. And also right? the trust protector at that point. Too and the trust protector, right? It's got to be guide guidelines like bumpers in a bowling alley. Like, you know, no banks, no brokerage companies, nobody that sells financial products, no buddy on the corner, no family yep. member. Uh, it's got to be this kind of trust company with this many assets and regulated in this way.
0: Yeah. yeah so
1: that's really why. So oh, that, that hurts be,
0: me to know that that happened.
1: Oh, this is... You know, I had this conversation it's like, sometimes I feel like the ER doctor that just seen so much blood that sometimes I'm just, I, I You're don't just numb to it. It's numb, but it's disgusting. Like you just wonder, like, <laughs> right? It's just, Am, oh, are you, you sick know, in the head? Oh, you know, you start to wonder that. <laughs> right. And so, okay, let's talk about the incentive clauses. All right. So the incentive clauses, I've come up with a couple over the years. One that was typical that you do see in some trusts, which is the educational one. Yep. And what the educational one is, is you see this a lot. Well, it says, Well, you know, if my grandkids need money for college, give them money for college, right? So I had a couple trusts that way. And one trust, <laughs> I took over this trust um from another accountant that said, just you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I should have known it wasn't a gift, it was a bomb. Yep. Like, you know, <laughs> why is he getting getting rid of it on me? And so You know, I was appointed as a trustee of it. And every year I had to write this big check. This guy was in his 40s. And the trust basically said, as long as you're in college, you get this much money every year. Oh, man. He's taking one class one class a semester. Oh, he would like matriculate in one singular class because the trust was not defined out. And every year he would just never work. He was like a complete blot of society. It's a smart move, but it's Right, so he took advantage of it, right? So I always thought, man, if I ever get a chance to draft trusts, it should be well-designed and drafted as to, you know, how to do that. So I started drafting trusts, and mine said, because I thought through this, like how how many times have I seen the scam going on? So it says that at age 18, you have one year from the uh, graduation of high school. So some kids don't graduate until 19, so they get 12 months. Mm -hmm. But within that 12-month period of time, you have to submit in writing to the trustee what one of your four decisions are. So here's the basic decisions for a child, 18, right? right? Number one, go to college. However, if you go to college, the trustee is entitled or is enabled to pay... Your room, books, board tuition, as long as you keep a GPA of, right? And it was funny because originally I was I I put in most people choose like a 2.5, 2.7 GPA. When my kids were original kids older kids were growing up, I I bumped that up to 3.8.
0: Yeah, I would have <laughs> I wouldn't yeah, be right. getting any money.
1: <laughs> I, right. So I was like, okay, well, if everything is being paid for. And you don't have to have a part-time job and all you a gotta study. do is focus you better get some good grades right yeah. if that's the direction you want and so it was funny because um i never forget this i was in santa monica and i was doing i think i was at santa monica yeah i was at the college and i was doing a speech and i had my son there tj and he must have been 12 to 14 at that time he's almost 30 now and I kind of put him on the spot. He was helping in the event. And I said, TJ, come up on stage. So he's nervous, wreck, right? I said, All right. You're TJ. brutal to your kids. Come on. Well, that was a good experience for him, by the way. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I it's said traumatizing. I said, if dad dies tomorrow, tell the crowd how you have to what you have to do to get money. He went through all four incentive clauses. And I said to the crowd, I said, see that? Now, if you just educate them as to what they need to do to get paid, they'll do it. Yep. But if you just hand them a lump sum of money, you just blew that kid up. Yep. So he knew. He knew the GPA. He knew everything. So basically what the college says is you got to get this GPA. It says if you drop below that GPA within a semester, the trustee isn't able to hire a tutor. If you fail two semesters, all the support stops until you're age 45. Wow! Right, I mean, welcome to the real world. Yeah, you get a look, job, and you don't show up, and you don't perform. Guess what? You get fired. No way. I, go. I love, I love it, and I love that it's written
0: like that. But me, knowing what kind of student I was, I would
1: be still waiting. <laughs> well, see, <laughs> which is good I, though. Which is good. Yeah, I know. But listen, there's, there's, there's all kinds of different personalities, right? Right. If you look yeah, you have to know and, your kids. Yeah, I mean, Bill Gates, jo- uh, Steve Jobs, um, Harrison Ford. Um, I could go through like a hundred people, famous, massively wealthy people, never went to or never finished college.
0: Right. Okay. Drop so I found. recognize
1: it's it's not like it was in the 40s and 50s, where you go to college, you get a job, you get an engineering degree, you go work for Boeing for 30 years, you retire. Yeah. It's different now. And colleges and universities do not have the same credibility as they did 50, 60, 70 years ago. It's a different requirement. Okay. So, in the trust incentive language, it also says, okay, what I could do is if I don't want to go to college, what else can I do? Okay. Option two, you go in the military. So, when I started drafting these like 30 years ago, I'd have people come back to me and say, okay, well, the problem here is um, I'm in the military, I'm 30 years old. I'm married with one child and I'm living on base and literally I'm living in squalor our, our yep. family can't afford to buy food because the military' is not paying enough so we built some workarounds that basically say if you're married then there will be a stipend while you're in the military if you're in the military for a minimum of four years and you get dis you get um honorably discharged, discharged. Honorably discharged then and there was I had a guy that came in oh I don't know maybe 15 years ago and he goes yeah but it doesn't cover if you're disabled because it's not technically honorably discharged you're just dis- disabled so we added that in right yep. so all this stuff is from years of experience it says if you're disabled or you're honorably discharged whatever that economic benefit is and let's say yep. you put in there at 6% per year then you start getting the 6% If you're in the military and you're married with children, it gives you a stipend while you're in the military so you can afford some better housing and better food and better health care.
0: Yeah. And the the
1: life. And the life, yeah. yeah. Um, Because those poor military people, you know, they have terrible medical care, terrible housing. Um, They can't afford to buy healthy foods, but they're serving our country. So it's that's a tough one. So that's option two. So if you don't go to college, you go to the military. If you don't go in the military, you can start a business. However, again, experience. Yeah. Um, as a trustee, I had a guy come to me, young guy. I've had a bunch of young, you know, I think about it, it's all been men, it's all been males. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I had a single instance. No, I did have an instance with a female. She was in her mid 30s, though, blew it all. Um, yeah, I think we but,
0: talked about that on the previous episode. Yeah, <laughs> of, she got her, her one third, one third, blew everything. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Shopping, $17,000 purse. Yeah, like that. it yep. was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I shouldn't. It's not just males, it's both. Um, but this mostly guy, males. Mostly males. Yeah. He comes to me and says, All right, I want to start a business. I said, Okay, great. Because he didn't want to go to college and want to go to military. I said, Great. What is it? It's an ice cream truck. Okay. You got a business plan? No. Do you have like a performance? No. How'd you find out about this? I know this guy that knows this guy. <laughs> okay, great. Right, great. Great. Okay, so do you have any kind of uh, cash flow like sales? No. So you want me as a trustee to write a check to some guy from a guy for $300,000 for a freaking ice cream truck? I said, that thing better be selling $5,000 a week. Yeah. (laughs) I can't imagine how many ice cream cones you got to do to do that. So he got really upset, of course. And so I decided that one of the things you can do is give that beneficiary the options of the world but put some guidelines on it, right? Yep. It's like when we have kids and you say, go play on the playground, right? Well, if there's a rope, you're not going to let the kid tie the rope around his neck and say, let me see if I can swing. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, <laughs> you let them play on the playground, but give them some guidelines, be there to make sure that they're safe. Yeah. And no different when you have a large lump sum of money. It's like a rope, right? If you just let that kid go out there on his own, they don't know how to operate it they could kill themselves
0: right i think the beautiful thing about that is the trust is able to have those guidelines for when you're dead so you're able to ensure that still your guidelines your bumpers that you're putting in for your children if you were alive are still prevalent just as much if you if you're dead and yeah. i think that's one thing that people miss a lot is they just a lot of people think that a trust it's oh i'm i'm taking care of my kids but you have so much power to put it exactly how you want your kids to be raised and what you want them to do throughout the throughout their lives. You have all that power that you could put in. So God forbid you do die, that is still ingrained in their brain. And they know exactly what they need to do. And they know that mom or dad told them that they need to do this in order to get the benefit. So I, I mean, I love
1: the trust when it's when it's drafted appropriately like that. And, you know, now that you're saying it, speaking it, it's funny because you still get people to be like, well, they're adults, they can decide what to do with it. No, they can't. No, they can't. I'm sorry, they can't because if they could decide what to do with it. They're super wealthy already. If they're not super wealthy already, they're probably not making the best financial decisions or know how to handle it. And even if they did and you leave them that money and somebody steals or sues them for it, you didn't, you didn't plan your own money. Why work your whole life to earn that money to not responsibly pass it on. It's like a disregard for your time, your hours, your sacrifice. That's the terrible thing about it. So the option three is start a business, but here's what the guidelines are. Guidelines say that that child or grandchild has to bring to the trustee a business plan written in the SBA, which is the Small Business Administration's format, And if the SBA would have lent money on the business, the trustee can lend money on the business. This way, you have some guidelines based upon the SBA of viable businesses. Now, it doesn't mean that every SBA loan and business makes it, but there's at least a business plan. There's a viability analysis of would they lend to it. The trustee then makes the decision. The trustee does not give the money to the child
0: right and And then it also makes them understand what it takes to to start a business as opposed to just like yep here's money hopefully you win it's like no this is what you need to do take this step and then usually when somebody does that and they take these steps to to better themselves they continue to take those steps there you go as a parent you just taught your child how to do something that they didn't know before and you're not even there so that's right it's it's incredible that you can add all of this stuff, worded how you want, guidelines how you want. You're still able to be a parent, even though you're not there.
1: Yes. And I think and, that's what
0: people need to realize.
1: And show respect for the time and sacrifice of the money that you earn. Yep. So that's option three. Option four is simple. It's do nothing, get nothing. <laughs> right. I mean, we do, we live in a capitalistic society where you have to put effort out. Your rewards are not the collective rewards of everybody's effort. You get rewarded for your effort. You don't just, you're not entitled to it. You don't just get it. That's how you blow kids up. So if you do nothing, you get nothing till age 45. I've learned that right around age 45, people kind of have a, a come, you know, a, a, an awakening, a reckoning. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, like half my life is over. I better have some responsibility. Not everybody has seen some 15, 60 year old, really irresponsible people, but as a whole, it's generally about 45 years old. Right. But if you get a 20, 25 year old person, you're going to wake them up to say, unless you do one of these things, you get nothing for 20, 25 years.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure there are people out there that do nothing, get nothing. They work an odd job just to get by, and then at 45, they can live their life. But at that point, they're in a, they're mature enough to know what to do. But they probably don't have yeah. kids if they don't have a steady income coming in. So,
1: well, you know, it's interesting because I've been doing this for so long. Um, I've had see, I've seen the 18, 19, 20 year olds blow themselves up and just do nothing. Yep. And what's really interesting is right around 28 to 30, they come back. Business plan. (laughs) And they go, here's a business plan. I want to go back to school for an education. And see, that's great. They can always reset. But that stops the the money from going to them in a lump sum and then blowing it up. Because, listen, if you're not willing to put the effort in, you're going to blow it up. Look at the the statistics from lottery winners. 85% lose all that money within five years. 90% have massive depression. They have medical problems onset by the winning of the lotteries. They can't handle it because they haven't earned it. They haven't gone through the journey of learning how to handle it.
0: Right. Right. I mean, think about it. It's all over social media and pop culture. All of these music artists that are 18 and have that are successful, all of these athletes that are 20 and successful they get all of this money and they either blow it all lose it all or they get killed or they kill someone else because of reckless driving and and they're getting this lamborghini that they shouldn't have at 20 years old and they're just dangerous to themselves right and to other people so think about if you have that money sitting in your account you pass away are you comfortable giving an 18 year old given what you've seen? Cause I'm not. And now I have a kid and I'm like, I want to give my kid everything. But if I can, if I die before my kid is, you know, a, an adult, if I can give the guide to him to be the best version of himself, and then he has access. First of all, just so we're clear, I don't have all this money, but if I did, <laughs> To give him the guide and to have the access to to the world just by putting in a little bit of work and showing that he's dedicated to this, that would make me feel better at night while I'm alive, knowing that he's taken care of because I'm making sure that he's taking the steps to be the best version
1: of himself, and he can't blow himself up at that point. That's right. Well, I think it all goes to, you know, as a parent what your belief is if your parent as a belief is just to give the kid everything you'll just do a lump sum trust right if your belief as a parent is my job is to prepare that child for life then we don't give them a lump sum and a lump sum trust because that doesn't prepare them that right. just makes it easier on them to blow themselves up 100% so, um i think what we should do is on the next episode uh we should really get into oh i got one other thing Uh, This is funny. So (laughs) these are things from experience. I'll I'll tell you a funny story. My one son, not the other son I was talking about, but my other son, um, he was, let's see, how old was he? 16 years old. We were living in Vegas at the time. Um, I go to the gym really early in the morning. I know. (laughs) What's that?
0: I said, I know. We have our
1: calls while you're doing your cardio. (laughs) So I'm driving home. It must be 630 a.m. I get buzzed by this SUV doing like 110. Now, I do maybe max five over the speed limit. And I'm like, man, that son of a gun almost killed me, scared the heck out of me. So I get off the exit and this guy that buzzed me is right in front of me. And then it comes to me. That's my son. (laughs) In Julie's car. And then I just felt this overwhelming heat My face got red. Oh, I'm like, oh, right. And so apparently he went to pick this car up at the dealership, which was getting work because he was 16 and he was driving it home. So I followed him home and I pulled up behind him. When he got out of the car, he's like, "Uh (laughs) Yeah. And I told him, I said, Well, I had a lot of things to say to him, but I just one thing I was like, you almost killed me, and you could have killed somebody else on the road. Yep. I said, so you can't ever, ever do anything like that ever again. And so after that actually happened, I came up with another little um, part of the trust, and it says, like our for our daughter, um, when she's sixteen, if we're both gone, she can only own an SUV over six thousand pounds. Nice little tax break. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Well, no little sports cars or anything like that. We want to drive in a, like a a slow minivan. Okay. (laughs) Okay. They still go fast enough, but. Right. Like little things like that, that you can put into the trust because it was evident that a 16 year old boy is, is not going to drive sanely. Yeah. Just not. Right. Which is why insurance is the way that, that, that it is. Right. We laugh about it now. I think it's still a little sore spot for him. It uh, <laughs> seems like one for you too. <laughs> well, you know, it was a rude awakening, like, you know, because we'd always talk to him about driving safe and there's other people on the road and there's moms that have kids at home. If you drive recklessly, you're going to make kids orphans. Like right. it's serious. You got a 5,000 pound weapon that you have a, a a trigger, which is the gas pedal. You say all this stuff and then that yeah. happens and it just is more re- remembrance that you can't let them to their own accord you just can't they're not mature enough to understand it
0: and and for everybody listening i mean think about it whether you are 20 whether you're 80 whether you're 40 it doesn't matter put yourself back to when you were 16 some t- some states 15 getting a license 17 in new jersey where i grew up getting a license your parents always said You know, you got to do this, drive safely. And at that age, it was always in one ear, out the other. You don't care what they have to say. You know, everything at that point. I felt that way. Ken felt that way. I know for a fact you felt that way. And now think about now you're giving access to a night, a a huge amount of money to any 16, 17, 18 year old. You got to be logical when it comes to this. You know how you were. You know your kids, and you know your kids will never do anything wrong. But we know. That that's not the case because we've been there and we've always in one ear, out the other. I know everything. You don't understand. You don't get it, mom. That's what I always used to say, you know. And if if you had the ability to protect them by just layering these things in and layering these clauses in, they are going to be well off because of the things that you've done today to prepare for that rather than. Here's all the money in the world because to them, no matter if it's a thousand dollars or a hundred million dollars, that's all the money in the world Yeah, to a 17, 18, 19 year old, especially in college. I mean, a thousand dollars gets you a long way in college. So yeah. you you just need to know that these kids, though we love them, they don't think clearly at that age. So if we could put those guides in for them, have them kind of understand life and then get the money, but all the while understanding life, not have to pay for it. That's what you want to do when you're drafting these trusts. But Ken, I do want to say that everything we've talked about so far in the month of July about these trusts are completely irrelevant if you don't fund the trust. And that's the second mistake that we will get into on the next episode of the Wiser Money Show. Ken, thank you so much for enlightening us on the bloodline trust. I mean, it, it's very important. If you have a trust now, if you can get it amended or, or get a new trust for this bloodline trust to put these incentive clauses in and, and all of the other factors that go into this type of trust, I, I recommend doing it because just hearing you talk about it and these other incentives that you've thought about and you know your lived experience is far greater than just hoping like we've seen a lawyer knowing what they're telling you to do versus what you should do
1: sounds good all right hey everybody thanks for joining and we'll talk to you next episode bye everyone see ya.